Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Samach Gimel in Masechus Ksubos. We'll start ten lines up from the wide, widest lines, and so on the bottom of Samach Beis and Beis, there's the widest lines, and there's two dots ten lines up from Chananya Ben Chachinai. I was listening to Rav Ari Libowitz, the great Daf Yomi master, talk about in the culture of those days the idea of going away to learn for twelve years. So it's not 100% clear, I don't know if you noticed, not 100% clear from the Gemara whether this was going on between Kiddushin and Nisuin. It seems like that, certainly in the story we had just learned. Was it happening after Nisuin? It looks like it was between Kiddushin and Nisuin, certainly where it's explicit. Um, also, he quotes the Ben Yehoyada, other Achronim, they try to figure out how this custom developed, like why Dafka 12 years. Well, they throw in a couple things, Ben Yehoyada says, he does some simple math. Well, there's Shisha Siddhari Mishnah. Maybe he's devoting something like a year to Mishnais, a year to Gemara, to break it up like that. Okay, some sort of 12-year program, okay? Uh, but be that as it may, uh, as the stories we've already seen, one tier from Akala isn't worth all of this learning. And so certainly the cultural, uh, as Tosos pointed out, the, um, the desire of the Kala is going to be what dictates how much the man is going to learn. So if the Kala wants her husband to be Rabbi Akiva and her greatest desire is for him to be away learning, so then that would be the greatest fulfillment of her happiness. Whereas if she prefers the husband to be with her, we learned yesterday, she prefers the husband. Um, in the culture of the Gemara, they said that the, she'd much rather make one-tenth of the income and be around the house. Is that really so in every cultural context? Maybe not. Um, but be that as it may, that would be what would dictate. But we're talking about special times over here where the, um, where the Talmidei uh, Chachamim were going away for long periods of time in order to learn. And so you have to, you have to listen to Rabbi David Katz about how these uh, different cultures and different, um, the kolel meant different things in different time periods historically, right? There were times where kolel was a very, very serious business where you only saw like the Gemara said, old school, not that long ago. You go back 100 years or 150 years, there were the Kolels in Europe where they really were. The, the husbands were away and would only see their families on Shabbos. You know, those were pretty standard. Um, be that as it may, this is, this is the time period of which we're talking. So let's start with Rechananya Chachinai. Um, stories, stories to that effect. So. He was leaving for yeshiva. So this is Dateline, the, the famous of Shimon Bar Yochai. What was going on? This was his wedding. Or you could say Rashi says it's his, uh, it was Sofia Mechupaso. Like the end of his Shevabracha, so to speak. Okay. So he was a contemporary. Rav Chanai was a contemporary of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. And he went to his buddy, Rav Shimon Bar Yochai's wedding. See that? So this is before Rav Eliezer uh, and his son in the cave and the whole thing. This was the night of his, the, the time of his wedding. So Amar Lei, so Rav Shimon Bar Yochai says to him, Yaakov He said, wait for me. This is why I think Rashi says it's the Shevabrachas. It wouldn't make sense for him to say, you know, let's go back to night seder, the night of the wedding. That's stark, but that's a little too stark. You don't go and have night seder the night of the actual wedding. You know, there's a lot of people who are knowing even today not to have night seder shana rishona 
at the base medrash. I, I remember I learned with uh, Yaakov Blau Shlita uh, at home, but he would come to our apartment, the Shana Rishonim, in the YU days. Anyways, so presumably it's after Shav Brachas, but they're going back. They're going back to Yeshiva, right? So these are the Yeshiva boys that are traveling for their friend's wedding, and now they're traveling back. So he says, well, let's travel back together. Lo didn't want to waste the time, so to speak, to lose the time, and he did not wait for Rav Shon Barichai. So Azal Yosef Rav, and then Rav sat for 12 years, as one does in Yeshiva, and by the time he came back, Ishtanu Shvile de Masa. The Mepharshim um, explained why we have to bring up Roshim Barichai. This is a totally different thing. This is just pointing out after those 12 years, right? So, in other words, you'll see in some of the, uh, some of the more esoteric Achronim, they're going to explain what, what the point was, or Ben, ben Yehoyada will explain what the point of this uh, initial part that, that with uh, Rav Shimon has to do with the rest of the story. Uh, be that as it may, the point of this story at, at this point is that after 12 years in Yeshiva, Rav Hanani Ben Chachinai did not recognize his old town. Right? He comes back, doesn't recognize his own streets of his home. And therefore, he doesn't even know, like, which is the street that leads to my house? He doesn't recognize the street. He doesn't know how to get home. So, also, Yosef Aguda Dinara. So, he goes and he sits on the bank of the river. Shamalahi revisa the Hukarla. And here's the little girl. So, apparently, I can't tell if this is, uh, if this is uh, Roshim Barichai. Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's Chachinai. It's, it's, uh, apparently, Rukhanani Bar Chachinai also got married. Okay. Because this was, that's why he went away for 12 years. In other words, he wouldn't have gone away for 12 years without a, without a, a wife. So obviously he also had a wife. That's not mentioned in the first part of the story. But then when he gets back, he, they, he hears, he goes to the banks of the river, and Shama Lahahira Visa. He, he hears them calling a little girl, the Habakarula, right? There's a little girl by the river, and they're calling to her, Bas Chachinai, Bas Chachinai, come inside, Bas Chachinai. Okay, so wait a minute, Bas Chachinai. Uh, now he's of Hanania ben Chachinai, but apparently from the house of Chachinai, that's like, so to speak, their last name. And so this girl, could this be his little girl? So see, in this story, it sounds like the 12 years was after Nisuin, right? Because obviously this might, this is going to turn out, in case you didn't figure it out yet, this little girl is probably, um, right, um, going to be of Hanania ben Chachinai's little daughter. So there they went for after the Nisuin. So you see how it's confusing? Be that as it may, 12 years uh, later he comes back and they're calling this little girl. And they say, Mali kol teich Come on, come on, Bas Chachinai, fill your jug and let's go. So he says to himself, Amar, Shmami, no, hi, Revisa, they done. This must be a girl from our family, right? Or my girl, right? This could be my baby girl. Azal Basra, so he follows her home, right? Because remember, he doesn't remember how to get home. And he sees his wife, right? So apparently, right, this is true that he was married. He sees his wife. She's sifting flour. She raises her eyes and sees her husband. And her heart realized it was her husband. And she was so blown away by the experience after not having seen him for 12 years that she passed away. Oh, boy. So that's awful. She had a heart attack. So Amar Lefanov, so he was obviously very uh, upset, and he said to Hashem, Ribbon Shalom, 
Aniazu Zeshara says, is this, this poor Nebuch girl, my wife, she waits for me for 12 years, and this is her schar? Yeah, so Hashem understood, right, so to speak, listened to, the, listened to the prayers, and brought her back to life, and they lived happily ever after. Okay, another story. Rabbi, right, so, right, so David's pointing out, 12 years, she's more of a maiden. She's already, at, le- at the very least, bas mitzvah, because... He probably, he probably left like the day after the wedding. That's what it sounds like. They're leaving right after Shevon Brachos for 12 years. So probably she was conceived like right at the wedding. And so she probably was almost pretty much exactly 12 years. We could pretty much put a time stamp on her uh, age because she was right there. So he got back just a week after the Bas Mitzvah. Or maybe they delayed the party, Barry, till, the, till, till he got back. But as it may, the mother made it to the party. Okay. Okay, similar story. Rabbi Chama Barbisa Azil, Yosef Trace Reish Nebebe Medisha. He went from home and 12 years in the yeshiva, as, as was the custom. Ki Asa Amar, when he came back, he says, He said to himself, you know what, this was obviously after the story of Chachinai. That story made the rounds and people knew about it and he did not want to shock his wife in that way. In other words, he didn't, he didn't trust that necessarily he's going to be able to bring her back to life. He didn't want to put her through that trauma. So Ayel Yosef in Midrashah. So he went, when he got home, instead of like showing up at his house unannounced, he went to the local base Midrash, Shalach Levesa, and he sent a message to his house, I am back. He said, tell, go tell her that I'm back, break it to her slowly, and then I'll come, and so she won't be so shocked. That was the strategy, okay? So also Rabbi Yosef Berei Yosef Kameh. So now... Here, even perhaps more impressive, David, Reboshia was his son. We know Reboshia from the Gemara, but now we get to meet, we just met Roshim Rebbechai the Chassan, now we're going to meet Reboshia, the 12 year old. So the 12 year old Reboshia comes, sits next to him in the same base medish where he's trying to send the message from. Now, he doesn't recognize his son, right? He didn't even know him as a baby, he didn't even know him as an infant. He just, you know, he was conceived and off he went to Yeshiva. Comes back and then this bright twelve-year-old boy sits next to him, and have a kamasha It's like a it's like a story, right, Barry? Where they're sitting and learning with his son, and he doesn't know that it's his son. So Chaza de Kamitchada de Shmaite. So Rav Chama sees this this little boy really knows his stuff. So sharp, Chalash Daite, and he felt uh, depressed from this in a way. He had a chalishus because Amar he says to himself, "Ihavi hacha havelizer kihai." Ah. If only I was Zohar to have this kind of child. That would have been unbelievable. Well, what he was really regretting was, I wasn't here for 12 years. Imagine if I had been here and done the daf kesher, as they call it in Israel, right? Which is the, the daf you get every Arab Shabbos from the Rebbe that you get to learn with him on Shabbos. If I'd been able to learn with my son, I could have had a Talmud Chacham son like this. In other words, he assumed that the reason why the son was so sharp was because he had a dad who stuck around, who learned with him. So he felt, uh, a, he felt right, a chalishas regret that he had not done so because he could have been zochet to such a son. Little did he know that perhaps his son was zochet to be so sharp because, uh, because uh, Rav Chama himself had devoted himself to so much study. And that, that's the Goranowitz Musr moment. That's what they said by, um, right, by Eishas uh, Manoach, Right, with Shimshon. She asks the Malach, what should my son do? Oh, well, and the father asks, what should my son do? And he says, 
do what she what I told her. The Malach tells it's a Musr. In other words, the lesson of how to teach Shimshon to be a Nazir is you should be a Nazir too. That's the sort of like uh, one of the interpretations of the Pasuk over there by Shimshon, which is to say, you have to do as I do, not as I say, the best, uh, the, the, the best, well, I don't know about the best, but it's nice to learn with your children, but it's also nice to learn on your own in order to, right, model that behavior for your children. Be that as it may. So Rav Chama says, uh, Halavaya could have learned with my son that he would be this sharp. I realized that it was his son, so... Alavesa, Yuvchama is walking home, and Albare, and this kid is also walking home, the son who he doesn't realize is his son, and they're walking towards the same home, and come, come, and now Yuvchama is standing there, and who's some of them? And Yuvchama is standing before the son. In other words, Yuvchama goes home first, and he's about to enter the door, and he sees this little kid coming, the kid that he was learning with in the base marriage. So he stands up because he figures they're about to learn Torah. And clearly, despite being only 12 years old, he's already uh, noteworthy, Talmud Chacham, this child. And so he stands up for him. So Amrali Devisu, so his wife says to him, to Rav Chama, What, is this, is, this, is this a thing that a father stands up for his son? And it was in that moment that Rabbi Chama noted, realized that that boy was his own son. Wow. And so the Gemara refers to Rabiosha, that little boy, Kariele Rami Barchama. Rami Barchama used to f- uh, apply this Pasuk and Kohelas to the family of Rabiosha. Achuta Mishalash, Lobim Herina Take. Right? That the, the uh, three ply chut does not, it's usually referring, we say, maybe to the Avos, be that as may. The three ply chut, it does not sever easily. Ze Rabbi Yoshia, Benot, Shel Rabbi Chama, Bar Bissa. Apparently, Bissa was a big deal too. So, Bissa was a big Tam Chacham. And then, and then Rabbi Chama was clearly one as well. And his son, Rabbi Oshia, perhaps the greatest of them all, the Chut HaMishulash there. Very good. And now, the famous story of Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva, Raya de Ben Kalba Savuahaya. Rabbi Akiva was the shepherd of Kalba Savua. Now, it's unclear. Ben Kalba Savua? It, was it the shepherd of the son of Kalba Savua? And Rashi with, with Kalba Savua says, uh, describes who Kalba Savua was. It's the last Rashi in Samach Beis and Beis. He was Shem Echad Me'ashira Yerushalayim. He was one of the Greers, right? one of the wealthy men of Yerushalayim. She called Nichlach Savesa Ra'ev Kekelev Hayayotze Savea. Anybody would come to him hungry as dogs and they'd come out uh, satiated, and therefore he was called Kalba Savua. You could also say that it was Kalba Savua. Ben Kalba Savua is like a Ben Tyra, like a son of, but in other words, Kalba Savua, since it's a nickname anyway, so Ben Kalba Savua could be the nickname of the same person. Anyway, let's go with uh, the versions of the Gemaras that say that Rikiva was shepherding Kalba Savua himself. Okay, so he's one of the hand, one of the uh, helpers over there in the stalls of Kalba Savua. Kalba Savua's daughter sees that he's modest and a fine character. There is a little bit of a tumult because there are Gemaras that evidence that he didn't seem so meek at all. He himself, or Bikiva said of himself, that when he was in the less religious state, he when he saw right Tamida Chachamim, it would anger him. This uh, certain certain language that says that he would rip them apart like a donkey, whatever the case may be. But there is a um, the, the, there are ways of, of 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 reconciling that, right? Because you could say that he felt Rabbi Akiva himself until he himself became a Tamachacham perhaps felt a certain amount of, right, kinas sofrim, right, a certain amount of jealousy 
of the Chachamim, a, res- a resentment feeling. Maybe they had, uh, clearly they had ostracized him and uh, there was the feelings of, right, lack of self-worth that he had. There's ways of reconciling the fact that he sure was modest and a fine character um, fundamentally, but his circumstances did not bring it out. Who saw the potential in him? The daughter, Rachel, the daughter of Kalba Savua. So Amalei, so this daughter of Kalba Savua said to him, If I marry you, right, then will you go to learn? So Amalei, and he said, of course. So So they had to have a, um, a wedding in stealth, right? Because this was not what her father would have wanted. Her father would have wanted a Tamachacham. And so she was Moser Nefesh. And she saw so much potential to him, she had to marry him secretly. And then she sends him away to Yeshiva. Shama, Avua, but sure enough, her father hears of this. I mean, you can't not hear of it. She has to tell him that she's Mekudeshes. Afkami Basin, she gets tossed out of the house. And not only that, he made a neder that she cannot benefit from any of his possessions. So now she is ostracized herself, tossed out of the house, and cut off from the, from, from the family. So also Yosef Trey so somehow she may do and survive. Incredible Mesir Snefesh. And also Yosef Trey Strachin in Bivei Rav. Kiva goes and he learns the 12 years in Yeshiva. Ki also, when he returns, I see Bahadei Trey Strey Alfei Talmidei. He brings with him 12,000 students, 1,000 students for every year that he was there. Shamei Lahusava the Kamale. As he approached his house, he heard an old man saying to his wife, Ad Kama. How long are you going to live this life of widowhood? Now, I don't know. I mean, it seemed to be the culture of the time, but be that as it may, they said to her, are you going to, how much longer can you take to live? Now, she was in an unusual situation, right? Because she had no dowry. She had no money. So even though guys were going away for 12 years, it could have been more like the modern, right, kolel, uh, uh, culture where they're supported and all of this. For most cases, but not in Rabbi Akiva's case, they were living like the hardcore, real, real style, Kolel. So Amra Lay, so she said, if you would listen to me, Yosef Trey Shnei right? Famously, as she said, if it were up to me, I would let it send him for another 12 years. Rabbi Akiva overheard that, and Amr, and, and upon hearing that, he said to himself, I, this, it sounds like I have my wife's permission. Of course, why did he not say hello. So you'll hear the Musser and they'll say, ah, even a moment of breaking it, right? If you break the momentum, so, you know, he would have lost so much momentum. So the cumulative exponential effect of not breaking the momentum was something that he, that he knew that she would want him to have. Something along that nature. But some people take this a little uh, too halakhalamaisa, right? This Rabbi Kiva's and certainly his wife were very, very singularly unique. Be that as it may, he understood her, she understood him, so he understood that she would not want him to miss on that exponential momentum. So other Azil, so he goes back, learns another twelve years in the Yeshiva Rav, and then Kiasa, and when he obviously Bivei Rav is Yeshiva. We know that Rav is an Amora and Rabbi Kiva is a Tana, right? So this isn't Rav like Rav Shmuel. This is the Yeshiva. Okay. Rabbi Kiva was a Talmud of uh, of Hillel, I believe, and and of uh, Rabbi Yeshua. Anyway, he goes back. He also um, So now he's coming back with twenty-four thousand students, right? Because he has a thousand for every year. That seems to be his ratio. 
right? A lot of the yeshivas in Israel wouldn't mind getting a thousand new Talmudim every year. So Shama Devisu, so his wife hears of his return, and now she's going out to greet him. Amrullah, and you see she's stealing, right? She's not having any heart attacks or anything. She was ready for this. And now 24 years she's supporting herself. The neighbors say, Maybe you should get yourself some nice dress. You're going to go out looking like a schlepper. Yeah, well, she had no money for 24 years. So she said to them, Really, a sharp line. In other words, the Pasuk of Mishle means that a tzaddik is so sensitive that he even understands like all of the, in, all of the animals, right? Even, so to speak, his dog or his behemoth. He understands their, their needs and their soul. He's sensitive to everything. So she's saying of her husband, he's sensitive to everything, even the lowliest. But it's a very right, humble thing to say. She's referring to herself as the behemoth of the tzaddik Rabbi Akiva. Her point is that he knows me. He doesn't, need, he doesn't care how I dress. He knows my soul. Beautiful uh, stuff going on here. So Kimatra Lagabe Naflala she sees her husband, falls on her face, kissing his feet, So his right, he's got his posse now. So his Talmidim are kicking her away. So Amalu or Kiva says to them, Shivkua, leave her alone, Shalev, Shalachem, Shalahu. Everything that is mine and everything that is yours, it all is on account of her. It all belongs to her. She gets all that schar. Shama Vuada Sagavarabalamasa. Now her father is still Kalba Savua and he hears the big Tamachacham, the big Gadols coming to town. So as he normally would do, he's hosting these Gadolim. So Amar Ezel Gabe, he says, I'm going to go see the Gadol. And, uh, you know, the Gvir goes to visit the Gadol and they're going to have a conversation. So after the Mayfair, they're dry. But he knows who it is. Well, he doesn't know yet who it is. He thinks the Gadol, let's see, he wants to be made for the Nether. Why does he want to, to be made for the Nether? So it sounds like at this point, he realizes that he could, um, that he could undo. Either because he knew it was Rabbi Kiva at this point and he wanted to uh, support them or he felt bad. Like it's, it's been 24 years. Clearly his daughter Rachel was committed to this lifestyle and he made a nether that he can't support her. At some point he had regret over this nether. And when you have regret over this nether, what do we do? Like we're, it, it's uh, almost a dafyomi coincidence because it's, we're in the middle of Elul. Soon, soon we will do Hafaras Nadarim in front of a Bezdin of three, or you could have a Tamar Chacham, right? When you do, when you have a Pesach and you have a regret, you could do a Faris Nadarim. Be that as it may, he was interested at this point, Kabbalah Savur was in, right, undoing that Nadar to not support her anymore. So also the Gabe, he comes to Rabbi Kiva. So Rabbi Kiva said to him, did you make your Nadar with intent that it would apply even if your son-in-law becomes a great man, right? Obviously, the only reason he made the netter was because he thought that she was marrying a nudnik, and he was so upset. So Kalba Savur says, even if he knew a little bit, even if he was a stark balabas, or even if he knew one halacha, I would not. I would have supported her. In other words, he really did want to support her. It was only because he was upset about her choice. So Amar Lai, so Rikiv said to him, Anahu. So. Clearly from the Hemshech of the story, we see that it was, Kabbalah Savuah did not know that it was Rebbe Kiva himself. It was, in this, it was in this moment that Kabbalah Savuah realized that this Gadol was the man that his daughter had married. At which point Kabbalah Savuah falls and kisses Rebbe Kiva's feet. And he gives him half his possessions. Rebbe Kiva became wealthy this man. Of course, he did lose all 24,000 Talmidim later on, as we know the rest of the story, and then get five more Talmidim afterwards. Um, but life, such is life, twists and turns. Anyways, 
So, bar, so following up with this, Barte the Rebbe Akiva, sure enough, they did have children. And the daughter of Rebbe Akiva, Abdullah ben Azai Hachi, she did the same. She was stark like her mother, like mother, like daughter. Right? This is where perhaps, so right, we, her, the wife, so Akiva's wife name, we know was Rachel, but here they're saying Rachel like a, like a, a you. Like mother, like daughter is that phrase. Of the imakach of the barta, just like mother, like daughter, also stark daughter Ben Azai was uh, her husband. Yeah, not so pashut. This, these are the arba nichnasu lepardes, right? Ben Azai, Ben Zoma, Rabbi Akiva, and Rabbi Elisha Ben Avuya. Rabbi Akiva was the only one that emerged whole from that whole experience. So again, there that story took a rough turn. Um, now again, Rachela was a play on the words Rachel. That, that, but that, that, uh, source that her name was Rachel is from Avos to Rabbi Nassan. It's not from the Gemara. But here, they, they refer, they said Rachela, Basar Rachela Azla, uh, as a play on words of her name. But be that as it may, just like mother, like daughter. And that's the beautiful story of Rabbi Akiva. Okay. Final story of Yosef Bray, the Rav, Shadri, Avui, the Rav, Kamei, the Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef, the son of Rav, was, uh, sent to study in Rav Yosef Shishiva. Paskula Shishnei. They agreed to give him six years. By the way, this last story isn't going to be like a great final last story. I'm just warning you. Anyway, so three years passed. And it was going to be Erev Yom Kippur. So I'm going to go and see the members of my household. So Shama Avu, his father heard that he was coming. He took like a weapon, took his gun. And This is bad. Meaning, he, you're reminded of your zona. What was he saying? The, the, the point is like this. This is like Hitkatnu Adoros, right? They used to go for 12 years. Now they're going for six years. So now that they're, they've reduced the amount of time that they're going to six years, they're saying that uh, the Hassan all of a sudden can't wait six years. Now he wants to come home after three years. So the father wants his son to be stark, right? So he's incensed. He's going out with a Bible and saying, what are you coming back for? Isn't the Torah supposed to be a priority over coming back to your home? You're making your wife. It's like you're coming back because of your desire for your wife as opposed to your desire to learn. Uh, so some say the story in a nicer way. Did you remember your Yona, which is a nicer thing to say, but it's still... Right, uh, an indication that he prioritized his wife, which is referred in this case to Yona, right, um, to, to his Torah. Okay, so Itrud, they got into a little bit of a fight over this, and Lomar Ifsik, Velomar Ifsik. Uh, neither of them got to do what's this Ifsik, the Suda Mafsekes that you have prior to Yom Kippur, the, the Tainus of Yom Kippur or Tishabav. They never got around to eating. Um, one could argue. This was the Mida connected the Mida, right? In other words, they both had an agenda that was perhaps not, uh, that, that's quite, that was questionable, right? Whether it was to learn and they were prioritizing going back home or whether it was uh, the father who was, had the agenda that he wanted to have a son that would go away for, for, for uh, six years. Be that as it may, they were thus denied from this fight the opportunity to eat before Yom Kippur. They went into Yom Kippur hungry, okay? So now we're in the Mishnah on Samach Gimel Aleph at the hopeless time of 6.10 a.m. And we, it says the following. Remember we talked about the 14 nafkaminas, uh, the 14 ways in which a Tosefus Ksuba is like a Ksuba? One of those ways was a Moredes. We weren't really sure what Moredes was. Moredes is rebellious. 
the wife is rebelling, and remember we mentioned there are certain things that a wife does where you deny her ksuba entirely, and there are certain things where we dock her pay, so to speak. She loses a little bit of allowance. So this is the Mishnah, that's the classic source, right, the original source uh, material for this Moretis. So we'll learn a little bit about the Moretis here. So a woman is Moretis al-Bala. So we say that we deduct Right, seven dinar a week, one dinar a day. We'll see what this is all about. Rebudo Mer Shiva Trapaikin. Seven Trapaikim. Again, all of these terms, Rashi says the Gemara will explain what the difference is. Admasayu Pokes. How much, how long do you continue to deduct? In other words, her rebellion continues. Do you continue to deduct? Ad Kanekasuvasa. So the Tanakama says, yeah, until there's no Ksuba left and then there's nothing more to deduct. However, Yosi Omer Laolam Upokas Holeth. You could continue to deduct and go into the red, right? In Israel, they allow that. They allow the bank accounts to go but minus. Ask me how I know, right? So they, they let the bank accounts have a negative, right, uh, balance. So you, she gets a negative balance. Well, what's this negative balance going to do? How is she going to pay it? So it says, She'im, Tipol, La, Yerusha, Mimakabacher, Govimena. Yeah. She'll make up the negative balance. If she were to get money from elsewhere, she's even going to have to pay that. And just so you don't think that this is, uh, that, that, that we're only piling up on the kalas here. If a husband rebels against his wife, why do we take, so, so there she gets additional compensation. Why does she get less compensation than deduction? Only three dinar in Bishabbos, the Gemara will discuss. It's again, the same achlokas, not dinar in Bishabbos, but what is Trapakayim, we'll discuss. Okay. Says the Gemara, Mimai, what is she rebelling? It's is she withholding Tashmir Shemito? Is she withholding her baseline Malacha? This is a little bit convolu- complicated because it is, right, we talked about the reciprocity of Maisei there, her earnings for Mizonos, for being, right, uh, supported. But here we're talking about she's not even working a little bit. There is a minimum amount that she's supposed to work. So it's not, we learn in the Mishnah, right, we said in our case, so too, I'm worried. Alishto bishlem alaman the mamri tashmish lachaye and lachaye. In other words, our very mission says that this also applies to the man. Well, yeah, with, when it comes to tashmish, there's a man and there's a woman. However, alaman damri melacha mimushubadla. So it sounds like Rav Huna. It sounds like we're talking about the rebellion has to do with tashmish because, after all, when tashmish, there's a rebellion that he does and she does because it takes two. But when it comes to malacha, what kind of work is he rebelling from, right? So it sounds like when it says rebellion, it's referring only to Tashrish, because Mimishubadla, he's not working for her. The Gemara says, that's not 100% true. In, he does work for her in a sense, because Be'omer enizan ve'eni mefarnes. Because really, he's working for her in the sense that he's mefarnes. So that's what Rashi says. Rashi explains, this is the, what we mean. That it's, it's that, the hainu tachas malacha. In other words, working for her means he's working and supporting her. And so when he says, I am not going to, right, support you, that is, uh, the malacha version of his rebellion. Okay. But that also doesn't fit our Mishnah, because after all, our Mishnah says what? That you dock pay, or you add pay. But here, we already have a halacha from Rav, that when a husband withholds his work and his support, she can um, demand a ksuba for that. She can demand out and get the payoff of the ksuba for that, not just docking or additional pay. So the Gemara says, no, In other words, Rashi points out, 
yeah, at the end of a laborious process, she could demand the full ksuba. But that's not how it starts. In other words, first you consult. In other words, it starts with docking, with uh, adding pay or giving compensation, right? In other words, we try to reconcile. We try to give compensation first and work it out. That's what we're talking about in our Mishnah. And then if we see that we're at an impasse, so then we could, then Rob says, at the end of it, we could dock pay. But our Mishnah is not referring to that last stage. It's referring to the first stages when we're seeing trouble in paradise when, and we're starting to right, play with either compensation or docking pay. Fine. Okay, so now Mesvei Achasli, so now there's a Bryce. The Bryce says, and we're going to f- quote this full Bryce soon, but Achasli Arusa Nesuav Afilu Nida Afilu Cholav Afilu Shemeres Yabam. Somebody said in the Brisa that the rebellious woman is the same whether she's Arusa, Nesua, Nida, Chola, Shemer, Siabam. Here's a Zagirsa issue. We're going to skip these uh, parentheses on uh, the last three lines of Samach Yimel because Rashi takes it out. Because Rashi is saying like this. So let's go to the, for, like uh, Bishlema on the last line. It says Rashi, Bishlema Laman da Amar Mitashmish Hanigitani Chola. Right, so what's going on here? In other words, like this. This sounds like when he says there's no difference between Arusa and Asua and Nida and all of that. So what he's saying is that all of these halachos would apply regardless of these cases. So what's interesting is that you would think, okay, well, a Nida and an Arusa and all these women, it, it can't be that they're withholding Tashmish there. The Gemara says, no, it actually makes more sense for Tashmish there, as we'll see. Because they're concerned about chola. Because when a woman is sick, she can't work. But when a woman is, an, but you say, wait a minute, but Tashmish, the woman cannot, uh, cannot be with her husband. So why is it more obvious that from that price that we're talking about Tashmish? So we'll see in a second as we turn to Samach Okay, so the question here is, what is this? Uh, what is this Brysa referring to? Again, the, the point of the Brysa is that it doesn't matter if she's a Nida or if she's a, a Rusa or she's a Mekudeshes. In all of these cases, all of these Mored, the Salachas would apply. So I'll say it outside because it's not very clear, but Rashi explains. Rashi explains that what's going on is as follows. It has to do, that, that it has to do with Tashmish because when it comes to Malacha, every time, every day that you miss, every sick day, so to speak, you don't get pay. Because every day, time is money. When it comes to Tashmish, right, that's not an everyday thing. So you could be a Nida, or you could be a Chola, but you're still not demanding, so to speak, Tashmish that very day. And therefore, it makes sense that Nida, Chola, it doesn't matter. In other words, there, she is claiming, let's say, or he's claiming they're withholding Tashmish. So they're not going to say that very day that all of a sudden we're going to start a whole hullabaloo because that could pass, right? So, and, and throughout the course of one's lifetime, somebody, so it's in sickness and health, right? Or sometimes there's, sometimes there's obviously the cycle of the nida. So Tashmish is not an everyday thing. Work is an everyday thing. And therefore the fact that we could say, oh, she did not, she refused to work today and today it has implications. It sounds like that would not work in the case of our Brisa. In other words, when our Brisa says that there is no difference between a Nida and a, right, and, and a non-Nida or a Chola and all that, it sounds like you could only refer to Tashmish because of the frequency of Tashmish. Tashmish means that that, those, that health and those things can fluctuate and that only makes sense within the context of the Brisa. Reading on in the Gemara, it spells it out. It says, 
A Tashmish, you could have this Meredes. Kipligi mi Melacha. Melchokas is mi Melacha. Marsav Melacha lo havi Meredes. Marsav Melacha nami havi Meredes. In other words, that is how you reconcile the contradiction that with Melacha we have the issue, but the Brisa itself is talking about Tashmish. So that's what Rashi is explaining um, over here on the last Rashi in Samach Beis Aleph that this is the issue. Tosfos on the top of Samach Gimel Amad Beis says, "Bim Tomer Laman Damer Melacha Ma'ay Afilu Ketani Afilu Nida." So he says. Malacha doesn't sound like Nida should apply to Malacha at all. So Tosos gives two answers. Number one, maybe when she's a Nida, she doesn't feel too good and she can't work. And number two, it might apply, and this is what we weren't sure. What kind of Malacha are we talking about? It sounds from the second answer of Tosos that we're talking about housework. Housework, like, right? Whereas she's customarily, and we've seen these Gemaras, where customarily she would be like pouring him Right, uh, and uh, serving him essentially dinner, let's say, she cannot do so in her state of Nida, and therefore that's the Malachal that's referring to. Be that as it may, that Brysa sounds like it's referring to Tashmish, where there's no uh, difference. The Pas Bisalo issue is what we're going to learn now. So, five lines down uh, with the two dots. So, Gufa. Now we're going to actually quote the Brysa in its full. Context, and then we're going to understand it better as follows. So we said she's a rebellious wife, and, and so we reduce it. So that was the machlokes initially, how much we deduct. However, Rabbi voted on this issue again. Instead of docking her pay, they would announce in shul four weeks in a row that she is rebelling. And then the Bezdin sends the following message as follows, quote, You know, you could even lose your entire 100 mea ksuba. Achasli, right? Arusa, unasua, and this is where we say, and this whole shtick would apply, right? This whole scenario would apply either to Arusa, unasua, afilu nida, afilu chola, afilu shemeris yabam. So, amr le rabichia bar yosef l'shmuel, nida bas tashmashi. So, it's understood in the context of that brisa that it's talking about Tashmish. But the question is, if it's true that the way that her rebellion manifest was in her withholding Tashmish, so why are we saying that we would even do this for Anida? To which the Gemara Amar Leish, Shmuel answers, The answer is like this. In other words, if she's Anida, but he knows that when she's no longer Anida, that they're going to be together again. So then he's calm. That's called Pas Besalo. Right? Just like if you know that you're going to be able to eat at some point, you're less hungry because you're just in between meals. That's okay. But here, if she's already said, even if it was during the time that she's Anita and he can't be with her, she's already announced that even when she's not Anita, it ain't happening. So then that re- takes away the Pasbasalo. Now he's got anxiety. In other words, he can't do it now, but his anxiety is already started from now because he knows that even afterwards he won't get it. And therefore, that's why it is also applicable to, right, punish her, so to speak, and give her a knas, even when she's a nida, because when she comes back, um, she's already torturing him psychologically now. Okay, she's taking away his paspasalo, as it were. Now, So when do we make the announcement? Not in the marketplace, not on the trading floor, but just in shul. Or in Amar Rava, and Rava said that's also Meduyak, because Daikonami, the Brisa says, it sounds like it's consistent with the, the, with, with the Brisa says, because what does the Brisa say? Right? Because it says four sh- consecutive Shabbos, 
Where do we go on Shabbos? Not to the marketplace. We go to Shul. And therefore that is where we announce it. So Amar Rabbi Bachama, he furthermore says, Pa'amayim sholchin lami bezdin. We send her the, right, the elders go to her twice. Right? We see whether this achraza worked. First we go before and we warn her. And if that doesn't work, we announce four times. And then if it does, and then we go and check to see if she's changed her mind. To which Darsh of Nachman Bar Chista Halacha Karabos Seinu, that the Halacha is in fact like the Rabbos Seinu, that they came back and they analyzed this issue and they decided to do this announcement thing as opposed to the money that our Mishnah mentions. So Amarava, hi Burcha. Rabbi says that is incorrect. Burcha means that's not that's not right. So Amalei of Nachman Bar Yitzchak, my Burcha say, what's not right about this? Anar Misa Nale, I myself told him Umishmed the Gavar Rabbar Misa Nale, and I learned this halacha that the halacha is like Lachachamim from a great man, Rabbi Yosi Bar Chanina. Umanu, who's a great man, Rabbi Yosi Bar Chanina. Okay, Vehiu Kaman, don't be. Rabbi Yosi Bar Chanina was already mentioned uh, in a different context here, but here we're saying Rabbi Yosi Bar Chanina was the man who said that we hold like Lachachamim. Vehiu Kaman Savar. So then, Rava, who does he hold like if he thinks that this is an incorrect psaq? He says, Yeah, he likes the sheet of Rav Sheshis. So the approach of Rav Sheshis to this uh, rebellious woman is as follows. As follows. Nimlachinba means, let's talk it over. In other words, we're not going to knas you, we're not going to announce you. Rav Sheshis was... Uh, of the opinion that we talk it out and see if we can resolve it. Resolute conflict, resolution. So Rava holds with, of this conflict resolution. Rav Hunabi Yehuda does not hold of that. Be that as may, Rava was following Rav Sheshis when he said that he doesn't like this halacha of this announcement. So now the Gemara says, Hey, Chidami Amoredes. Why is she Amoredes? What's this rebellion? What's the cause? So Amar Meimar, Amar She's rebellious when she says, I want to continue to stay married, but I'd like to torture him. Right? But if she's just uh, disgusted by him, so then we're not going to start uh, proceedings against her because it's not her fault. However, Marzucha Amar Kaifinala. Marzucha says, no, we still force her even though because she's not entitled to like be disgusted and then withhold everything. So Marzucha, there was an incident where the husband forced uh, the wife to stay with her repulsive husband. And if Khanina of Surah was a big time Chacham came out of it. So you see, it wasn't the worst thing. So the Gemara says, Velohi, hasam siyata deshmaya hava. You can't learn from that, however, because that had a certain siyata deshmaya to it. However, it was not actually, uh, something that you should take as a instructive. So now we'll resume tomorrow, five lines up from the bottom of some Gimel Mabez. The Panavar Vishavrav used to say about this. He used to say the difference between the cat and the housewife. The housewife wants the mouse to be out of the house. The cat wants the mouse there so it could torture it. So that was the analogy earlier. If the wife, and we've seen Gemara's, right, where if the wife wants him around just to torture him, so that certainly is uh, a uh, rough behavior that you have to contend with. And it is in that context that we will pick up tomorrow, Bezrat Hashem.